my name is John Meyer, and uh, I'm a. Uh, I'm not sure what I am, but I was a pastor up in Fort Collins for many, many years, and uh, kind of a, a coach for for pastors now. And and uh, sometimes on Sundays I'm a pinch hitter, so uh, that's what I am here this morning. And I'm going to share a message with you that's um, very relevant to my own life. Um, and it's on the subject of hope. I thought it was so interesting, uh, just the comments Dave made as he opened up the, the announcements just about always needing to have hope. And uh, I recently experienced something that I had never experienced, uh, I don't think, before in my life. Um, I've been engaged in a lot of pretty challenging uh, situations. Um, I told somebody I'm finally earning my paycheck uh, and uh, I've reached a, a place where because there's just a variety of challenging things going on for the first time in my life, I, I, I realized, wow, I'm in a place of hopelessness. I don't see something positive in the future. I don't, I can't, my brain is not reaching out and grabbing hold of something and I've never been here before. And um, I don't know whether where you all are at, uh, and if you're not, if you're in a place where life is working pretty well, um, even thoughts about hope are not necessarily super relevant. But I'm going to share with you kind of my own walk through that process, things that God taught me as I as I found myself in that place. And I know that at different times, all of us are going to have moments where we have to, where we have to look deeper into that whole notion of, of, of hope and what God's given us. And uh, I, God brought to mind the verse uh, in Corinthians where it says we have faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love, these three, the greatest of these is love. I would have to say that that's always been sort of just kind of a religious phrase to me. I've really appreciated the thoughts about love. The love of God has become more and more real, more and more tangible, more and more um, of a very deep, powerful thing in my life. But I would have to say that the thoughts about hope were not necessarily that. And, and I think I, I recognized how profound that statement was because Paul, who had been challenged in all three of those, had come to the point where he realized that what he had in his Christian faith was he had something that always gave him a basis for faith, hope, and love. And that that's what we have as believers. I think the human soul needs all three of those. We need to have a faith in something greater than ourselves, a, a, a faith in something beyond ourselves. We need to know there's something out there that I can trust, that I can be sure of. We need to have a hope in the future, and we need to have a source of love. You were created for all of those, and so was I. And, and because our world provides so many of, of so many dimensions, of those apart from God, we can miss that foundation in our faith for those things. But those roots in our world will be challenged. And so I, um, I began meditating just on that place that God gives me and that gift God gives me and that treasure that I have of always being able to have hope because of my faith. And um, I, 
looked up some definitions of hope. That's always a good thing to do. Wikipedia, that, that, uh, that source of, of all kinds of truth, says hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes. It's a, it's a state of mind. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, here, the Internet Dictionary says it's a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. Uh, hope is, is uh, something that wells up inside us. I defined it this way. It's just an expectation of good. That I'm believing something good is going to happen. Something good is coming. There's something I can reach out and anchor myself to in my future. And when there isn't hope, it's like the world goes dark. And um, Dostoevsky, who was a an Russian author, lived in the 19th century, spent a number of years in Siberian prisons, spent most of his life under police observation, knew a lot about hardship. He said to live without hope is to cease to live. And I think I, I realize there's really there's a truth in that. If you don't have hope... Your world is, is very empty. And depression can be defined just the absence of anything to attach hope to. Another man said, um, Tertullian, third century theologian, I like this, it says, hope is patience with the lamplit. It's like I'm being patient, but man, it's out there. I see it, I see it, I see it. And I'm looking for it. I, I, I'm, I'm watching it come my way. And, and that's hope. I said this. This will be in a book someday. Hope brings the strengthening power of future good into my life now. Well, maybe there's nothing good now, but this is going to happen. This is out there. This is coming my way. And that, the, the power of that good, I can just drag it right into my place right now. And, and it brings power. It brings strength to me. And, and that's the power of hope. And I'd like you to just take just a second here to just turn into your own heart. Turn into your own place. Turn into your own soul. And, and where are you at in the realm of hope? Do you have hope? I gave this message a couple weeks ago in, in, um, in Loveland, just after I developed these thoughts for myself. And the reason I really wanted to share it with them is because I knew there were people in that congregation deeply struggling with issues of hope. Are you one of those people? Has life just whacked you? And you just can't reach out and find a place? Or, or where would you say you're out with that? Out with that. How strengthening is your hope? Do you have a hope that, that comes into your world? And it brings something powerful to you. It brings a foundation to stand on. It can, it can overcome the, the uh, uh, maybe darkness of the moment. And bring a power in your life that's real. Do you have that? What's the object of your hope? What is it? What are you, what are you looking out there and latching on to? Well, there's three types of hope, and all of them have their place. 
There's worldly hope, and uh, that simply can be defined as looking to the creation to satisfy me within the creation. And that in itself is not bad. Uh, and it's one of the hopes that we really walk in all the time. Our life is filled with this kind of hope. The second one would be godly hope in this world. And that is looking to God to satisfy me within the creation. And the third is eternal hope. And that ultimately is the unchanging foundation of hope. But all of them have their place. Worldly hope can be defined in lots of ways. Here's one. Amazon. I have a package coming on Tuesday. I have hope. My world is about to get better on Tuesday. Something special is going to happen for me on Tuesday. Today may be a complete bummer. It may be filled with bad things. But you know what? I got a package coming on Tuesday. <laughs> now, I don't know whether that package is going to change my life or make anything better. But it doesn't matter. I still get the payoff. I have hope. It's coming. It's happening. And, and that... Hope is an example of the kind of hope that fills our lives all the time. Now those hopes can lead to bad things. We can become addicted to that hope from Amazon. But nonetheless, really I think life is meant to run on that type of hope. And a lot of times they're small, sometimes they're big. The smallest hope I could think of, the simplest uh, hope I could think of was slot machines. Now, I have a history in gambling. Um, I think I've done slot machines three times, and I've, I've invested $4, uh, and two of those were given to me. Um, and that's the fullness of my gambling experience. But I do remember it, I think, uh, and, and there are certain things about slot machines that are very interesting that have not changed over time. Now, remember the old days, maybe? Uh, they used to be mechanical, and you stick in silver dollars or, or, or quarters or pennies uh, and pull this mechanical lever, and you click, 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 and these things spin, and, and you sit there, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and, and, and then your, you know, your prize comes up or whatever. And, 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 but now they're all different. It's like a video game. It's electronic. You don't have any silver dollars or pennies or any coins at all. You stick in a little paper card. You just push this button, um, and you you don't even get anything back out. It just goes to a credit. And, and, and everything's changed except one thing. There's still the little pictures that go. And you sit there and, and you wait. And, and there's this moment. There's this moment of, is something good going to happen to me? Is something good about to come into my world? And there's that three or four seconds of hope, those moments of hope. And I can, I can drill my whole universe down to this. I am just about to experience something. Maybe it will be good. And it's not, and you push the button again. And it's a tiny moment of hope. And it brings life for that little bit. There's upcoming events. We are rolling into winter. Some of you guys, that's your hope. You love winter. That is not my hope. I'm not hoping in winter. I get into winter and I hope for spring. Oh my goodness, it's going to be spring. It's going to be spring. It's going to be spring. And there's a hope there. 
or a vacation or all kinds of things. We have hope, of course, in relationships. Um, there's often a periods of time in our life where we hope we will get a relationship. I want a friend. I want a spouse. And then you get that relationship and then your hope changes. I hope they change. I hope they change. My life will be wonderful if they change. And it's a hope. And then of course there's eschatological hope. You guys know what eschatology means? It's a big theological word. It means hope in great big end of the world things. Sometimes in our lives, we don't have any source of hope in our life. There is nothing in my world that's going to be good. There's nothing in my own personal experience that's going to work for me. But I can attach my life to good beyond myself. And I can grab some big cosmic notion that is going to bring some universal good. And I can give my life to that. And in that is my hope. And, and that may be... For the Christian, of course, our eschatological hope is the return of Jesus. Jesus is coming back. This is all going to change, and it's all going to roll into his character, and it's all going to be amazing. But there's lots of eschatological hopes. There's the hope of saving the planet. There's the hope of stopping climate change. There's the hope of, of doing something that's going to bring some big universal good, and you can give your life to it, and there's a hope there. And it brings meaning. And it brings life. But in the end, we must know, none of these hopes will satisfy you ultimately. It will not be and it cannot be because God will not have it be so. God will not allow this creation to be the fullness of our satisfaction to the degree in which it leaves him out. He will not be left out of the equation. He did not make this place to satisfy us in and of itself. He will be part of that. And everyone who all their hopes are in worldly from the creation through the creation you will find your soul empty. And it will not work. There's godly hope. And sometimes godly hopes are exactly the same as worldly hopes, only that we're believing they're from God. If I believe this thing that's coming to me on, on Tuesday from, uh, that's going to be on my doorstep, hopefully, uh, is from God, God, you gave this to me. I can be thankful to God, and I just go, wow, God, this is, this is, I have a hope here that something good's going to happen, and Lord, you've given me the ability to do this, and the opportunity, and the resources, and, find, and yeah, God, thanks. It's my hope, and it's, it's kind of, it's from you. Um, a couple days ago, or more than a couple days now, I, I, a number of people encouraged me to get out and get away and get some time with the Lord. And, I, and so I did what, uh, for me, is a, is a big God connect. And I jumped on my motorcycle and I, I rode up into Wyoming. And, and um, uh, for me, that's, that's a connection with God that, that I can look, look to and go, this, God's going to meet me here. And, and I, I find an experience with God that way. And there's a hope in the ability to do something like that. First Timothy 6, this verse speaks about that. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God 
who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And so really this is talking about the contrast of those two hopes. You can put your hope in wealth. And to put your hope to be, to be rich in this present world is just this. That means you think you have the resources to potentially meet your desires through what you have in the creation. I got enough to get what I want. And I'm going to put my hope there. God says, well, then you are rich in this present world. You have the ability to potentially put your hope there. My money is going to be able to get me the pickup I want that's going to make me happy. But Paul writes... You have got to understand that the source of your hope has got to go beyond that. And it says that your source of your hope should be God himself. And why should it be God himself? Because it says this is who God is. To put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Are you familiar with that verse? Are you familiar with the idea, that concept? Are you connected with what this tells you and me about the heart of God? What is God's desire in this verse? What, is it, what does he tell us? God tells us that his desire is to give me every single thing I need for my enjoyment. Every good thing. God looks down and says, I want to give it to you. My heart, my desire, what, what my, my, my goal is to bring to you is every single thing you need to enjoy life. Is that how you see the heart of God? Do you believe he's that way? I do. As a matter of fact, I believe every single thing that sin in my own life does not mess up or sin from somebody else's life does not mess up, God will bring to me. But in the fallenness of this life, much of it is removed from us through all the sin around us. But the heart of God, the heart of God, what God wants, what his desire is, is his desire is to bring all that to me. He's the heart of a father. You guys probably sing that song here. He's a good, good father. It's who he is. It's who he is. What is a good father like? Just this last week, I got one of my sons a pretty large gift. It's the kind of thing that won't happen very often. But it was going to meet a unique need in his life. And, and I think he was a little bit overwhelmed. And, and Caroline said, you know, son, you've got to understand every time... There's an opportunity to really make a difference in your life, and we have the ability to do it. We'll do it. It's I don't know. It's just it's just it's just how how we'll roll. It's the heart of a father. You just you just caught up in that. I can make a difference here. I will. I will. Do you believe that God's heart? Is that heart toward you? That's what this verse says. He will give us all things for our enjoyment. And our hope is to go. Not that, hey, I got enough money to get this. But my hope is, God, you're going to give me what's good. If it's good, you're going to give it to me. That's who you are. I attach that to you. That's about you. Not about me. And honestly... Brothers and sisters, we have such a small picture of God. We have such a small picture of God. Our understanding of the nature and the character of God for most of us is so shallow. 
do you know him? Is he a real person to you? Are there things you're certain of in his character that are personal toward you? You know, you and I can be personal toward one another, and yet somehow we can imagine God as being impersonal. Listen, the only place your personalness comes from is God. He's the personal one. You're just the image. Whatever is real or personal in your life is way more true in him. He's, he's way more emotional. He's way more relational. All of that stuff comes from him. He's a real person. And we find his character described to us in the Bible. And it's not some theological doctrinal stuff. He is a real person. And one day you're going to stand in front of him. And that's all going to become very, very clear. And we can put our hope in that person who gives us all things for our enjoyment. Now, from that base, we have a lot of things we do have hopes in, right? And some of those hopes are the small things. But when we get into this category, a lot of the hopes get to be a little bit larger. Um, and uh, uh, those hopes can sometimes seem not certain. And this is another verse I'm very thankful for. And it's only translated this way in some translations. And it's, uh, this is from the New American Standard. And it says this, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And here's what I take from that verse. For me, I get a lot of comfort here. For those of you that have hopes, that seems like they're often dashed. Maybe you're wrestling with hope. This is what I take from this verse. God, you know me, you understand me, you get me. And you know that I'm just flesh. God, you know that I'm weak and you understand that I have to have a hope in this world. I just won't make it unless I can believe there's going to be good in this world. I would have despaired unless I believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And for the, the, the psalmist writing that, that's this life. And I believe that's God telling you and me, listen, we can go, God, I got to have a hope here. I got to have a hope here. And him saying, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And so we look at some of those hopes that can sometimes seem challenging. Relief from suffering. Wow, that's a, that's, a, that's a really good hope. That's a great thing to pray for. God, bring an end to this whatever it is. A whole variety of things can come to mind here. Physical things or, or, or relational things or, or, or just job things. Uh, good for our children. Um, you know, I used to live under the illusion that when they turned 18, you kind of had a whole different world from your kids. Uh, and I've come to realize, no, that's actually not true. You, they just, your just lives are intertwined all the way to the end. And you're constantly caught up with a, a desire that they experience and know good and, and concerns related to that. Justice, oh my goodness. You know, in this room, there's a lot of people that have experienced injustice. And it just rips your life apart. 
no matter what your political views, our whole entire country is in turmoil because everybody is afraid there will not be justice. We're wired for that. And when it doesn't happen, we have a deep longing to see it come to pass. Relational circumstances to heal. Nothing is more painful than broken relationships because we're made in the image of a relational God. And yet there's nothing we're worse at than relationships. Because we're made in the image of God, there's nothing we desire more than relationships. And because we're fallen, there's nothing we're worse at than relationships. It leads to a lot of tension in life. And the basis for a lot of hopes and desires. The God's kingdom would make physical progress around me. So this is one of the things I can wrestle with. God, I've got to have hope that this can work. I've got to have hope that this can go somewhere. And... And there are times when um, uh, we really wrestle with these hopes. And um, I think we can ask a really legitimate question here. Can we really truly expect good in this world? What can you load into your heart? What can you go, this is where I'm at. I can have hope. I can have hope in these. I can have hope for good now. I can believe that. I can lock that in and I'm not just being stupid. I'm in line with my faith. Or, I think this is another really critical question. What can I encourage you in? What can you encourage me in? Can I grab you by the shoulders and tell you, you have hope. You can believe there's a reason to trust and have hope. Can I look at you no matter who you are and tell you that? In good conscience and in clarity that what I'm sharing with you is true? That's a critical question for us as even as a spiritual family. What can we call one another to? And I believe the answer to that question is yes. We can always expect God to do good. It's based on his character, just like we shared before. God will do good. He will do nothing else. He will always succeed in that. He will always bring that to pass. It's who he is. If God's on the field, good will happen. And he has said, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. My understanding of prayer is this. When you pray, God, I am praying for this. Because of, of 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says that he gives us all things for our enjoyment. If you're praying for something, God will give it to you. And if he doesn't give it to you, then either you were mistaken, and then it wasn't good, or something is messed up, and therefore God will give you something better. It is the nature of God. We've asked him to help. We've asked him to come in and, and, and to make a difference. We've asked him to come and bring good. And will you, can you imagine yourself standing at the, 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 in the threshold of heaven? You finally made it. You're there. And you go, you know, God, I kept asking you for good. You never did anything. Think that's going to happen? You think that's going to be the case? He's going to go, yeah, you know, I was so busy that day. I am so sorry. That is not going to happen. 
You asked the living God for good, and he acted, and he brought good, and he either brought what you asked for, or he moved the whole universe to bring you something better. And you and I can have that faith. The living God will do good. His name is powerful. Didn't you just sing that? And isn't he also good? If he is infinitely good and infinitely able, and you asked, and he, and you, you besought him, God, bring me good, God, bring me good, you gotta go, he's gonna do it. Because of who he is, he will do it. Do you want your, if you're a dad, do you want your kids to believe in you? Do you want your kids to believe, oh, dad will come through for me? That'll come through for me. You know why you feel that way? Because you're in the image of God. It's what dads do. And the perfect dad will never fail. We do fail. We do fail. But the perfect dad will not. And we can trust that. We can always expect God to do good. And I think that should be our foundation. And, and we are moving toward this talking about eternal hope here. But I also want to say this, and eternal hope is very important. Um, eternal hope ultimately is our foundation. And you know what? We do reach points in life where there is nothing left but eternal hope. But I want to say this. I believe God has made life an especially life for young people. You all need to know that, that, that God sees that you must have hopes in this life. You must have dreams in this life. You must be able to believe for God for things in this life. Believing he will come through for you. Maybe not exactly what you see, but something will come for you. I think it's an integral part of our faith and it should be what characterizes us though the whole world fall apart around me and it very may well God will do good for those who trust him and I have that hope and it is not foolish or unfounded he will do it He will display himself for those who trust him in this life. It's who he is. But in those times where we do not see a place to have hope in this world, and there are times where it looks like that, there is good that is lost for all of this life. When there's a death, there is good that will never be recovered. There can be relational deaths where good will never be recovered. There are things that are lost in this life forever. And sometimes when we look at life from that perspective, we feel like there's nothing here. There is nothing here. There is nothing here to hope in. 
And when we reach those moments, God takes us somewhere else. We can always find hope in God. And this is something that I hope every person in this room has experienced and understands. And I want to share some things from the book of Lamentations. Now, I don't know how long it's been since you've read Lamentations. If you read the one-year chronological Bible, and it did so this year, it wasn't too long ago. But Lamentations is written by the prophet Jeremiah. And, um, and it is Jeremiah looking at what's happening in his world around him. And what had just happened is that God had just brought the judgment that he had promised. And, and clear back many, many centuries earlier, God spoke to the Israelites when he first brought them together as his people. And he said, now if you obey me, I will bless you and I'll do so many good things for you. It takes a chapter to cover them all. But if you turn away from me, because my relationship with you is based on what you do differently than our own, he said, this is what's going to happen. I am going to bring such utter horror and misery into your life that it will utterly, completely shatter you. There will be starvation. Your young will be dead in the streets. Mothers will eat their own children because of starvation. It will be horrible beyond what your minds can imagine. And century after century, after century, God warned a disobedient nation that there was a judgment that had been promised. And in the days of Jeremiah, he brought it. And this prospering, flourishing, beautiful culture suddenly experienced a set of wars and circumstances that brought them to the place of utter and complete destruction. And Jeremiah looked out at this culture in which he had been raised in, a culture that had been prospering and flourishing. And he looked around and he saw death and destruction and a total devastation of his culture and people dead and stacked everywhere and mothers consuming their own children. And he looked out at things that the human mind cannot even hardly take in and he said, this is my world I'm watching it it's horrible beyond what my, my soul can, 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 can take in and from that place he wrote the book of Lamentations and it is filled with his description of these things and in chapter 3 he then after, after describing a whole variety of national and cultural and, and, and social uh, tragedy. He writes this in turning to his own life, talking about God. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. It was Jeremiah's job to bring the message of this judgment before it fell as their last opportunity. And, and, and people completely rejected him. They, they nearly killed him. He's filled me with bitter herbs and sated me with gall. He's broken my teeth with gravel. He's trampled me in the dust. 
You ever felt like God has addressed you this way? That this is where he's taken you? This is how he's dealt with you? I've been deprived of peace. I've forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. This is a man that had had hopes. This is a man, he isn't just feeling sorry for himself. This is a man who said, whoa, whoa, everything, everything, everything I had is gone. It's gone. He goes on. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, and I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. And in this place of utter, total despair, Jeremiah writes a statement that is completely irrational. It makes absolutely no sense. There is no good. There is no sign of good. There is no no evidence of good coming. And yet... Jeremiah turns his mind and his heart to God. And when he does that, something inside him stirs. And in the midst of all that darkness, he brings this to mind. And all of a sudden, he has hope. Because of the Lord's great love and compassion, we are not consumed His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And if your life has brought you to the place where you do not have any source of hope in this life, I want to ask you this. In the midst of that incredibly dark place, when your mind and your heart turns to God, is there a hope that stirs If there is, you know what it means to hope in the Lord. And God wants it to be so. He wants it to be that in his people, there is a hope in this life. There is a hope in things here. There's a belief he'll be good here. But also in the foundation. There is a hope that when my mind turns to God, no matter what I see, something rolls up in me and goes, I have hope. God will do good. I believe it. I will wait on the salvation of the Lord. And brothers and sisters, there are believers around the world that this is their only hope. 
There are young and old believers in Syria, in Africa, who were killed for their faith or who watched that happen to those around them. Where do they go? It is, there are times in this life where our hope has to be in the Lord. Now I could share about how God gave even Old Testament people a place to have a hope beyond their own life. But I just want to share a little bit about what God's given us. Because he has revealed in Jesus a mystery. We're not done. This is not the end. This is not the only place my hope has to be found. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't seem to find a whole lot of hope at all here. But he had a lot of hope. And there was a point in time where Jesus spoke to a man who had absolutely no earthly hope. This man had not one shred of earthly hope. And Jesus spoke to him. And Jesus addressed his hope. And Jesus said to him this, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And Jesus gave that man hope. And there is a place where you and I can find a hope and that we must grow in that. As I shared, you know, I think it's so important that as believers for all of us, and especially if you're young, you have to go, God will do good in this world. He will do good in this world. He will do good in this world. It is his nature, his character, his glory, his honor. He will do it. But ultimately, every one of those hopes is going to be lost. You're going to lose every single hope. You're going to lose all your health. You're going to lose all your money. You're going to lose it all. You're going to lose your ability to enjoy what you've got. You're going to lose it all. And we gradually take our hopes and we start hanging them more and more in another kingdom. And Jesus, after his resurrection, came again and gave a revelation and this was part of that revelation and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away and you and I can know there is a time where this order is over. And there's not going to be any more pain, and there's not going to be any more crying, and there's not going to be any mourning, and there's not going to be any more death. And all that you've experienced in this life, all that pain and all that sorrow and all that suffering that is so characteristic of this age is going to be brought with you as you stand in front of Jesus and all of it is going to well up into your face and into your eyes and Jesus is going to kneel down before you 
He's going to wipe it out of your eyes. And every tear is gone. And that's a real moment that you are going to have with Jesus. And you are going to live in a world made to fill every single desire. You know, sometimes people say to me, well, I don't want to go to heaven, you know, because I'm not sure there's going to be mountains there. I kind of like the mountains. I, you know, heaven's a bunch of clouds. I'm not into it, really. I just look at them and I go, you are so stupid. Do you really think that God would let anything in this life supersede what is yet to come forever so that we can stand around up there and go, well, you know, it's not too bad, but really I liked it better before. That is not going to be what happens. You were made not for what's here now. You were made for what's coming. That's what you were made for. Every single desire of your heart. And I am... I actually gave four teachings in, in Loveland on this picture. I promise not to give four now. <laughs> but this is from the Creation Museum. This is from the Ark, actually, in Kentucky. A mural on the wall. And uh, I liked it so much. A friend sent it to me, and there's a story there. But anyway, to me, this is a picture of the heart of God. This is the heart of God. I believe this is a real historical moment. There were only two people. This is in God's mind. This is selfie. You know, sorry, he's taking it on his phone. He's got his phone up there. He's taking a picture there. Um, so he's there in the, in the picture, and and it's he's like the dad, you know, and he's, he's he's just it's Christmas morning, and he's just letting his two kids step into the world that he's made for them. And I imagine myself being Adam. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at him and going, whoa, look at that waterfall. Where does that water come from? And where's this river even going anyway? And, and, and we have got to go up there and get a closer look. Look at those, look at those, look at those big sauropods up there. And that's what I named them, honey, sauropods. They're called sauropods. I named them myself. <laughs> and you know, if you think about this picture, you know what's true about this picture? Every movie, every novel... Every dream of the human heart is in that picture. And it's a real moment, and it represents what God wants to give every single one of us. And you're standing there beside the most beautiful woman in the world. She's the only one, but she's the most beautiful. And, 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 you know, women, you can imagine yourself, sister, you're standing beside the most handsome guy in the world. He's the only one, but he's the most handsome. And you're both perfect, and you can actually have a decent relationship because there's no sin. And you know what? God says because of the fall, all of it was removed. And you know what he says? He says, you're getting it back. You're getting it back. You're getting it back. I bought it back. I bought it all back for you. You get it again. Only this time it's going to be a city. And some of us don't like cities, but it's going to be a great city. There must be nice parks or something, but we're going to like it. And the reason we don't like cities is because it's full of all the brokenness of people, but that's all going to be gone. You'll be able to borrow your lawnmower from your neighbor, and he's going to, you know, it's all going to work, and it's going to be wonderful. Imagine year after year, moment after moment, of perfect friendship 
and relationships that never end. That's what you get. Oh, oh, that's worth waiting for. That's worth waiting for. I'll wait for that. But there's another moment that comes before that. And it's in this picture. You see, faith is hard. Believing is hard. Serving God is hard. And what you and I wrestle with all the time is, well, you know, I don't know if it matters. Well, I don't know what difference it makes. I don't, one, I don't think I'm very good at it. And two, I just, I don't even know if anybody sees. I want you to understand this. You can hope in this moment right here. Every single one of you is going to stand before Jesus Christ. You were made by him. You must give an account for your life to him. He gave you a life. You will give an account for it. In Christ, all that, that separates us from him is forgiven. And so what we bring now is our moments of faith. And you're going to stand there and God's going to go, Wow, you know what? Hey, John, I'm going to go over a few things before I show you where you live. And I just want to run through a few things here. You know, remember that moment when you did this? And I, I knew it was tough because it, it, it cost you there. You were afraid. And you were just really afraid what I was going to think. And you went ahead and you did the right thing. You know, I was watching that. I saw that. That was awesome. And you did great. Come here. Let me give you a hug for that one. And, and John, here's the, I want to just bring up something else here. You, know, you, you remember when, when you were so frustrated with, with your kids and life was so hard and everything was, and, 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 then, and then he broke it. He broke that thing and you, you, just, you just were so upset. And John, I, I, I watched you turn your head, walk in the other room and pray and come back out and hug him. And John, you did that for me. And I'll never forget it. Come here, let me give you a hug for that one. I'll tell you, my goal in life, I want a thousand years of hugs. I want to see if I can make it to a thousand years of hugs from God. We all have that chance. And it's our hope. And it's really, it is not a story, guys. It is not a story. It's really going to happen. That is a hope worth living for. In your lives, hope in God, even for the little things. If you're ordering stuff from Amazon, don't think it's a creation itself. It'll be the blessing of God. If they're big things, yes, you have a right to ask for them. Pray, pray, pray. You have a good father. Keep asking. And when hopes utterly, completely die, put your hope in God alone and remember what he's going to give all of us when this is over. Lord, I pray you give us just a confidence in your character. You are going to so impress us. You are going to so impress us. We're just going to be wowed when we finally get to see how it all rolled out. You are so good. And your goal is to bring glory to that goodness by rolling it out in our lives. Give us a confidence about that, Lord. Pray that be an anchor for our hope. For those here who really, truly need 
that anchor right now. God, touch them with your character and with your promises. In Jesus' name, amen.